Take your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. It's going to be one of my favorite stories. It's actually two stories kind of compressed into one in the life of Jesus. We've got a woman that's going to come up in the story. We've got a, a man named Jairus. I call him Jairus. Some people call him Jairus. But, you know, us down here in the South, we like to sound out everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Jairus. Let's talk about this, this idea, and I, I'm sure it's going to be pertinent to where you live or have been or maybe where you're headed. Let's talk about dealing with delays. Dealing with delays. You know, not everything happens right on time all the time according to our time, does it? Hardly ever does, really. I was going to title this, Jesus, Could You Hurry Up? But that sounded a little disrespectful, didn't it? But that's the way we feel sometimes, isn't it? Jesus, could you please hurry up? I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a deal here. Now, anybody like to be put on hold? You know, you call one of these businesses or have to deal something with your finances or your mortgage or something like that. And, and what do they always do? Well, first of all, you know, don't get a person. But what do they always do? They put you on, well, you got to press one for English first. But anyway, uh, <laughs> then they put you on hold, don't they? Let me tell you my story the other day. I was, I was dealing with something with my debit card in Waynesboro, and, it, and they had locked it up without me knowing it. They thought there were some kind of fraudulent charges or something like that. You know how they do nowadays? Uh, thank goodness they do that kind of stuff. But uh, it got locked up, and I'm trying to go into Walmart and do my thing, you know, so I had to end up leaving it all there and all that kind of stuff. I don't carry cash with me. That's, always, that's not always good. But Anyway, I, I, so I got on hold at the Walmart parking lot, okay, talking to my bank. They put me on hold. I'm driving on hold for 15 minutes, and then I lose signal coming through Waynesboro. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get to Silas, I get signal back, I call him back again, go through the whole process. Another 15, 20 minutes, I'm on hold, and then when I get to my house, guess what happened? Lost signal. Had to go back through the whole process and on hold, and I'm, I'm just asking Jesus to keep me saved at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's, I don't like to be delayed or on hold, and I'm sure you don't either. Come on, let's re- we're going to read this. I'm going to let you sit down today um, just because this is such a lengthy read. I want you kind of looking at this and reading it with me. Uh, we're going to read this entire story, and, and you know, I, I can't go through all the details of the story, so you may see some things in there that I don't. Hey, if you do, communicate them to me. I'd like to hear them. We're going to start in verse 21 and go to verse 43 and hear Jesus interacting with this woman and with this man named Jairus. All right, you ready? Verse 21. It says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, now he'd just gone across the Sea of Galilee to deliver that demoniac. Remember that story? The pigs went into the sea and all that kind of thing. And now he'd gone over to the other side and now he's coming back to the other side, probably into the Capernaum region. They had a a little port there. So he comes back to his territory. And a great multitude or a crowd gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, this man fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with them, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed 
of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and pressing on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. That's a good day for her, isn't it? While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and, oh, excuse me. Yeah, I got, got. And he, Jesus, permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, and uh, the, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, Jesus said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, that's what you do with them kind of folks. You put them outside. And then when he put them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kuma, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. Do you see the 12? 12 and the lady? 12 years. This girl's 12 years of age, too. This lady has been sick as long as this little girl's been alive. And they were overcome with amazement. It's a pretty good day now, isn't it? Tables have turned. But when he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and they said that something should be given to her to eat. Come on, let's pray. Let's talk about dealing with delays. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, Lord, we just need faith. Just pray you'd just stir our faith this morning, strengthen our faith, impart faith to us, Lord. Uh, we need your help in this process of life as we're struggling with things. We're struggling with health issues. We're struggling with, with uh, mind issues and thought processes, decisions we've got to make, maybe relationship struggles, financial struggles. We, we're struggling with a lot of things, Lord. We've got a lot of things on the table and a lot of requests laid up before you. Uh, but, Lord, we need you to help us with the timing of everything. Help us with these delays. Give us faith to trust you even when we can't trace you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So here, here's the problem we've got we don't talk about it much in church because, you know, everybody that makes the TV show or makes the, the testimony time is like their stuff came through. You know, they got the check in the mail. It came through already. So we don't get to talk a lot about the delays. But here's the truth of the matter. God rarely, if ever, keeps the same time schedule as we do. Somebody says, synchronize your watch with God. I'm not even sure God wears a watch. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He rarely does what we want, when we want, the way we want it. Okay. And it, sometimes it, it, it frustrates us, at, at, to say the least. Sometimes it, it shakes us. God seems to be late oftentimes. Of course, late's a perspective, isn't it? It's our perspective that, you know, it should have been here by Tuesday. It's Friday now. It should have been here by last week or last year or five years ago, 10 years ago sometimes for some of us, 12 years ago for this lady. It should have been here by now, right? 
And it, it, it really shakes us sometimes when it, it makes us feel like God is unconcerned with our crises. God is unconcerned with our chaos. It seems like that to us sometimes. That, that's where the delay puts us. Sometimes God delays us. Sometimes he says, just wait a minute. Just wait on your answer. That's my least favorite answer. You understand that? Wait. I mean, I can deal with the yes. That's what I want, really. I want the yes. But, hey, I can even deal with the no. Because the no is closure, right? The no means I can move on to something else. But when I'm in limbo, kind of hanging, and the answer is just wait, that's a tough answer, isn't it? But wait is an answer. And they that learn to wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength, right? Ah. All right. So all this delaying, it comes up many, many times in our walk of faith. This can lead us to despair. It can lead us to all kinds of discouragement, doubt, frustration. It's even caused some folks to backslide in their faith and kind of let it go and say, well, I'm not even really sure God hears us when we pray. I'm not even really sure God hears me especially. I'm, I'm really not even sure if all this stuff works. I'm not even, what's, what's the use of me keep going to church? What's the use of me keep coming to the altar? What's the use of me still getting prayed? And I've been greased up more times than a county pig at the county fair. You know what I'm saying? And, and still nothing's happening. We get frustrated. It's a problem in our walk, isn't it? It's this epic struggle between God's way, God's will, and our way, and our will. It's an epic struggle we've got going. No wonder the Bible says this, that patience is a virtue. Everybody say that. Patience is a virtue. Virtue has to do with character, doesn't it? It has to do with something that's inside of me. Now, how many of you are really good at patience? Raise your hand real fast. <laughs> None of us are really good with patience, are we? But let patience have its perfect work in you because when it's done doing its work, you're going to come through that fire tried like pure gold. Patience is real important, but we're not really good at it yet. But we need to get better. Somebody said, don't pray for patience. That's not really good advice, actually. But you know what they say, don't pray for patience because you, you, you'll get more trials so you have more patience. Well, they're coming anyway, baby. <laughs> they're coming anyway. Patience is a virtue. Lord, increase our patience. And see, patience is not just about waiting. Biblical patience is not just about the time clock. It's not just about it's due in April. It's not just about I need something now. Patience is about us waiting and waiting in faith. Waiting in faith, believing that God's working. That's patience from the Bible perspective. Walking with God can be difficult. He tells me to follow in his steps. But I remember times when I was walking with my dad. You know, we'd go out on the beach or something and we're walking. And he'd walk and I'd walk behind him and I'd try to step in his footsteps. But what was the problem with me as a little boy when I'm trying to walk in daddy's footsteps? What's the problem? I mean, daddy's just I got his normal stride going. He's about six foot two, got his normal stride. I'm just a little guy, so I'm going. You know, by the time I get to the end of the pier, I'm pretty tired. Walking with God's a lot like that. His stride's a little bit different than ours, isn't it? A little bit longer. His gait's a little bit better. We try to keep up with him. But keep keeping. Keep keeping on. Well, we enter this story. Now, I want to tell this story kind of from uh, Jairus' perspective, okay? We, we know that he's the ruler of the synagogue, and that means that he was kind of the manager of the synagogue. He, he was kind of like the pastor. He, he wasn't necessarily the preacher, but he was the guy who coordinated everything in the synagogue, 
the synagogue for, for the Jewish life, especially that particular time in history, was the center of life. It was like the community center. It was where the, all the kids' activities took place, social activities, uh, political activities, religious activities. It was a daily affair, something going on at the synagogue. And then, of course, you had Sabbath that would happen on, on Saturdays, right? That had their Saturday service. And he would be coordinating the speakers. He'd coordinate all the activities. And he was the guy that was in charge of everything. He was the keeper of the Torah scrolls that were in the back, make sure everything was kept up and, 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 and uh, you know, everything was you know, take care of. This is his job. And with that kind of job, he is the man. He's like the mayor of the town, actually, something like that. He's, he's the guy in charge. He's highly respected. He's the ruler of synagogue. His 12-year-old daughter, somehow or another, gets deathly ill. She's to the point of death, it says right here. And Jairus comes to Jesus about his daughter. Now, that's interesting because Jairus being a ruler of the synagogue, would be a Pharisee. It doesn't say that in the text, but the Pharisees are the ones that set up the synagogue. So we know Jairus would be a Pharisee. He'd be in that fraternity of Pharisees. Isn't it interesting that a Pharisee like Jairus would come to a man like Jesus? We don't often think about that. But many of them did get saved. Many of them came into the kingdom of God through Jesus. He comes to Jesus about his daughter, and the Bible says that when he saw Jesus... He fell at his feet and he begged him. I mean, can you feel the emotion in what he's doing? I mean, this man who's a powerful man in his community, he's a respected man in his community. He's the one that tells everybody what to do. This man is in crumbles and he's standing and he falls to Jesus' feet and he says, I beg you, will you please, please come to my house and just lay your hands on my daughter and if you just touch her, she'll be well. It's a powerful moment in this man's life. It's a breaking point for him. So Jesus goes with him, and it says that a big old crowd came and followed Jesus everywhere he went. Capernaum was probably the area that's there, and that was, see that picture up there? That's, that's an artist's rendering of the possibility that, that that synagogue that was in Capernaum looked like. You see, that's the worship center on the, on the far side over there, and over here is basically the children's church and the school, that little wing on the side. That's where they taught their children, okay? Jesus goes with him. The crowd follows and then there's an interruption. Don't you just hate interruptions? <laughs> I mean, this ain't a good time for you, honey. <laughs> I mean, that's the way Jairus, let's talk about from his perspective. He would have felt like that. Don't you just hate it when you got a groove and now finally we're getting some momentum going and all of a sudden there's an interruption. Something happens, the refrigerator breaks down, we just got the money saved up. Interruptions, you know what I'm talking about? Those kind of things just throw you back off schedule again. I thought we were making some headway. Jairus is making headway, and all of a sudden, something happens. And Jesus draws his attention away from Jairus and turns it to this woman. Now, from this man's perspective, how do you think he feels at this moment? How do you think he feels? Tell me. Well, how would you feel? I mean, I'm not talking about your church way you think you should feel. How would you for real feel? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, this is your girl. We'd be, I'd be like... Um, uh, we'll be back with you in a minute. Come on, Jesus. I mean, I can see him almost pulling on Jesus. This, I mean, this man's desperate. Jesus chooses to stay with this woman. This woman was in the crowd. And the scripture says that she had an issue of blood. Probably a female. It's a, it's a nice way to say that she had a female problem that, where her cycle would not stop. Now, how long did she have it? Twelve years of sickness. 
And, and even worse, it says that she'd been to doctor after doctor after doctor, spent everything that she had. And instead of getting a cure, it says that she just kept getting worse. And worse. You ever have a problem like that? It just doesn't seem to go away and go away. And then all of a sudden it just, I mean, you're, you're trying to invest, you're trying to fix it, you're trying to go. And, and it's very discouraging, isn't it, when things don't go away and don't get healed. Or as for us guys, they don't, they don't get resolved. Huh. Shift the perspective to her. Now think of all the years. Twelve of them. That's a long delay. In our time frame, this would have started back in, what, 12 years ago? That would be 2008. That's, that's pretty wild to have something. Her body's taxed to the brink now. Her mind is taxed. Her relationships are taxed. Now, you, you think about this. Somebody in this particular condition, they would have zero social life in this community. You would be considered unclean. You couldn't get out in public. If you did, you'd have to skirt on the fringes of town and you'd have to, you'd have to stay out of reach and touch of anybody because in, in this culture, if you touch a person who is unclean like this, then you become unclean and you've got to take so many days and you can't even go to church until you go through your purification rituals. That's the way they lived. That's the way she lived. So there's no job. There's no going to the well to take care of your family. There's no, there's no social interaction with other ladies, with other children, with other, other grown-ups, anybody. I mean, she shut down. For how long? You think it's affected her a little bit? There's no doubt about it. Delays and disappointments. Now, how you handle your delays and disappointments will, cons- will, will determine whether or not you move forward or you go all the way back. They're coming. One wise man said this one time. He said, if you follow Jesus long enough, he will disappoint you. (laughs) He will. Well, from our perspective, he'll disappoint you. He'll come through in the end. But in this journey, we get disappointed. I thought you were going to heal them, God. You took them. I need them worse than you. I thought I was going to get that job. I, I really felt like I had a promise. I felt like there was a word over that. And I, it, you know, there's things we deal with, isn't it? It's life. The reason I say that is a lot of people have this inward frustration towards God. They don't talk about it because it's not proper to talk about it. Not in church setting. But they have this inward frustration with God. Like, what's going on in my life? This woman presses through the crowd. Now, she's not supposed to be in this crowd. So she breaks all the protocol to get there. Desperation will cause you to do that kind of thing, won't it? She pushes through. She reaches up and she grabs Jesus' garment. This takes a lot of faith, especially for her to touch a rabbi, a leader, an official leader in the town, in the community. For her to touch him would be absolutely no go. She could be drug out of town and stoned for doing something like that. She reaches up and touches Jesus' garment. Now, in, in, in the language, it says this. It says that she touches the, the hem or the fringe of his garment. Very likely what she touched. Jewish men had to wear tassels. Have you ever heard this? They, they've had, they have to wear tassels on, on the garment. They have four of them, one on each corner, it says. They wear tassels. It comes out of Numbers 15. The tassels 
are to, as they put them on every morning, it's called a tallit. They put it on every morning, and the tassels are to be their reminder. They go through some of their rituals and their prayers. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. That, they go through a prayer like that, the Shema. They put that, that, those tassels on, and it reminds them every single day to be obedient to God. And if you ever see a real Orthodox Jew, sometimes they, they'll walk around and they'll hold that tassel in their hand. They're, they're down towards the ground. And they'll grab it and they'll hold it and hold it in their hand. And it's, it's their way of being reminded. It's their point of contact of faith to say, I, today or in this situation, I'm going to be obedient to God. It's really not a bad idea to have something, something like that in your life. Something to remind you. Because I've forgotten a few times, haven't you? Now listen to this. It's very likely that this woman reaches up and grabs those tassels. What those tassels represents is Jesus' obedience to God. It's Jesus' commitment to God. And what she grabs a hold of is the same thing we grab a hold of and get our victory. We grab a hold of Jesus' obedience and it somehow or another imparts something to us called grace. So she grabs a hold of him. If I can just get to his obedience, if I can just touch him, he's the way maker. If I can just get to him, I'll get my breakthrough. And she does, and she reaches, and she grabs his clothes. And it's a real interesting passage, and it's just a mystery. I don't have any explanation, but it's just a mystery. Jesus spins around when that happens. And he says, who touched me? Peter says it could have been one of them, five or six or eight or ten. It could have been anybody, Jesus. It doesn't say Peter said it, but I got a feeling it was Peter. You know, Peter's always talking. <laughs> That's why I relate to him so much, I guess. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touched. They're all pressing in on you. We're in a crowd, Jesus. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me. And here's the mystery part. Somebody touched me because when they touched me, I felt virtue flow out. I felt healing flow out of me into her. I felt a transference of who I am into somebody else. Somebody touched me in a different kind of way that was with faith. They didn't just bump into me in the crowd. Somebody touched me with faith. Jesus feels your faith. Amen. And it caused a release of healing virtue to go into this woman. Now that's crazy. Because likely she hasn't touched anybody in a long time. Nobody's touched her in a long time. And the first person she touches is Jesus. And it changes her life. And in a moment of time, she's healed of 12 years of disease. That's a good day. Now she's got her breakthrough. I mean, it's a good day for this girl. This girl is, I mean, I like her a lot. She's received her miracle. I like her because she never gave up. She spent her resources on doctors. She kept searching for clues. She kept searching for an answer. She kept going to people, trying to get help. I like this woman. And not only that, she breaks the protocol and she pushes through the crowd. She's not supposed to be there. And she said, I, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm too old for this now. I got to get to what I got to get to. Like it or not, I like her a lot. Don't you like her? It seemed like Jesus liked her. And that interesting statement. Your faith has made you well. What if she had stayed home that day and just thought about it? With all that stuff I said, now what, what's her faith look like? Can you see her faith? Did you see it? Because faith is not just a mental ascent now. It's not just something I believe or think about. That's part of it, but that's not the whole deal. What does her faith look like? What does it look like? It's strong. 
But can I see her having faith? What's she doing? She's acting on it, isn't she? she? She's done something about it. See, faith without action is absolutely dead. You can stay at home and pray about it all you want, but something has to happen to activate faith. And something happened in her that morning. She heard Jesus was coming through town. His boat docked over there covering him, and she said, it's my day. I got to go do it. I got to go to where he is. Yeah, I like her. <laughs> I like her. Now back to... Our boy Jairus. She's getting the news of her life. The best news she's got in a long time. In the same moment, word comes to Jairus, your daughter didn't make it. Don't trouble the master anymore. Leave him alone. Let's just go home. Your wife needs you. It's over, Jairus. How's he feeling? Now, let's direct it a little bit. How's he feeling towards Jesus now? <laughs> Not to mention how he's feeling towards that woman now. I mean, because if you were in an ER situation and you went and dealt with a person with a chronic problem before you dealt with the person with the emergency problem, uh, you would lose your license. You know, but Jesus has got something to tell. He's got something to teach everybody here. Somebody else is getting their miracle, and now he's getting the worst news of his life. And while word comes, Jesus looks at this man and says, do not be afraid, only believe. Now say that with me. Do not be afraid, only believe. Now think about this, because Jairus just received a word, but Jesus has got another word for him. Jesus always has another word for you. It doesn't matter how broke you are. It doesn't matter how, how broken you are. It doesn't matter how down and dark the situation is. That word is speaking to you. All that death and darkness is coming to you. But Jesus always has another word. Listen for his voice in the chaos. Listen for his voice. See if light won't come to your darkness. He always has another word to say. And the issue is going to be, are you going to hear that word of death or are you going to hear the word of life? The truth is, you're going to hear both of them. And the, the, what Jesus says, I know what you just heard, but can you hear me? I know what you just saw. But listen, if you only believe. I believe Jesus said another person, to another man, if you only believe, because all things are possible to those who believe. Same kind of scenario. Jesus always has another word. But which one will you take to heart? We're going to hear both of them. But which one of them drops in your heart? Don't be afraid, only believe. Or death. Which one is it? Jesus decides to get back on the road again. Jairus decides to go with him. It's a pretty long walk, you know. It didn't matter if it's next door, it's a long walk. They enter into the house. As soon as Jesus gets there, remember he said that, that saying, he said, uh, she's, not a, she's not dead, she's just asleep. Because <laughs> believers that die, we're just asleep. It's not, really, it's not really the end. They ridicule Jesus. Jesus takes all of those that are there 
and he puts everybody out because sometimes you've got to put the doubters out in order for faith to live. Now, I don't, you know, don't throw everybody out of the house. That's not what this sermon is about. But when it's in a moment of crisis and we need faith and we need to believe God, sometimes you've got to put other people out, put other voices out, block them out and say, no, no, it's just me and Jesus now. He puts everybody out. Takes Peter, James and John in there with him. Mom and daddy go in there with him too. Jesus looks at this little girl. Now think about this. He looks at this little girl. He grabs her by the hand. And he says, little girl, sweetheart, basically. Sweetheart, it's time to get up. <laughs> and Jesus gently pulls her out of the clutches of death and restores her back to life. <laughs> it's a great story, isn't it? It's a great story. Now, let's, let's pull some faith lessons. We've got just a few more minutes. Let's pull some faith lessons out of this, just real quickly. Grace is teaching us. Delays are preparing us. And let's just take some looks at Jesus here. Grace is teaching us. Okay, now think about this. These two people put, anytime you see people in the story put side by side, take some time to compare them because that's what the Bible's doing. Okay? Jairus and this woman are put side by side. Grace is going to teach us something. Jairus has a high social status. This woman has a real low social status. You see what I'm talking about? Jairus' name is given. This woman's name is not even given in the text. Jairus is an honored and respected leader. The woman, she's unclean and kept at a distance, without a doubt. He's the ruler of the synagogue, a Pharisee. She wasn't even allowed in the synagogue. Grace is teaching us something now. He's viewed as a blessed man. She's viewed as a, as a cursed woman. Why, why would I say that? Well, because in their day, in Jesus' day, anybody that had a chronic illness was considered to be underneath some kind of judgment from God. He's an insider. And listen, Grace is teaching us. He's an insider, but Jesus says, you got to wait. She's an outsider, and she's healed immediately. Grace is teaching us something now. Now, let me ask you this. Jairus and this woman, which one do you think many leaders today would have attended to first and with the most care? Obviously, we go for the guy with higher status because that can help us out in the long run, right? That, that's what we do. I'm not saying it's right, but it's, it's real. What did Jesus do? He tended to the lowly before the mighty. Our grace is teaching us something. You, you've heard these kind of things about in, in the scripture. The last shall be what? For, and the first shall be last. Grace teaches us a little something. You don't earn anything with God. Jairus, you're a good man. We appreciate all you do with the community. That doesn't earn you anything. You're not any more valuable to God than that woman who hadn't been to church in 12 years because she's an able. You know what I'm talking about? Grace teaches us it's all a gift. It's all a gift. Nobody earns anything. You don't have to earn anything. That's the good, really good news. He's that gracious and generous. You don't have to earn it. He'll give it to you. Grace also teaches us this, that God loves the outsider. This woman's an outsider. God loves the outsider. But don't put the period on the end of that sentence. Because God also loves the insider. He does heal Jairus' daughter. He gets to the insider, but he just has to make him wait a little bit because he's got to teach him something. Hmm. 
delays are preparing us. Okay, Jairus was delayed horribly. The woman was delayed for 12 years. I don't know how long your delay is, but I'm sure you've been in one. Some thoughts. How you handle your delays and disappointments will determine whether you go forward or backwards. I think we said that earlier, but it bears repeating. How you handle your delays and disappointments. Some of you have gone through some real dark, deep, nasty, crazy valleys. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death with people you love. You came out, but they didn't. Not on this side. How do you handle that? It'll determine your future. Another thought, we learn and mature from God's delays in our lives. We learn a lot. We learn about ourselves. We learn a lot about God. Usually what I learned about myself was not so good. What I learned about God is that he's faithful even when he's not on my clock. <laughs> in the delays and uncertainties, we must press into God or what the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. You've got to press in. This woman shows us this thing for sure. Jairus presses in too, doesn't he? I mean, he's staring death in the face. He's got the worst news of his life ever possible for a parent to receive. And he presses on. He hears what Jesus, don't you hear him hearing? <laughs> he heard what Jesus said because he could have just peeled off. He could have just said, no, it's not worth it. But when Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe, guess what happened to Jairus? He believed. He pressed through it. We've got to press through. The woman presses through the crowd. There's a lot of things we can learn from her. Fourth, the master. The master-servant relationship that we're in with Jesus is often calibrated during a delay. You know, God says this, that he will be no man's servant. He, he, don't, he doesn't serve us. We serve him. And, you know, when you go through a delay, you really realize you're not in charge. That's an important realization for a person. You know that? See, we spend a lot of our prayer time and our spiritual devotion trying to get God to do what we want. And hey, ask him what you need to. That's fine. Talk it out. Talk it all out. But he's not here to fulfill your plans. He's not here to fulfill my dreams. He's not. I had a lot of dreams. I was going to be a pro baseball player. I mean, that's what I wanted to be. I mean, that's, I still want to be that. I'm 50 years old. You know what I'm talking about? I had a lot of dreams and aspirations. I was going to be rich by the time I was 35. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's a little delayed. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> I mean, I went to the seminar where they told me it could happen. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I bought the books and tapes. Oh, my goodness. That master-servant relationship needs to be calibrated again in our lives. That's why you need to grab a knee before him every chance you get. Because he's master and you're servant. He's father and you're child. And don't get it mixed up. We do sometimes. We get it mixed up. Because submission is real hard for us. All right. There's a lot more we can say about all that. In the delay, our motives for following God are tested. Hmm. Are you going to serve God even when he's silent? That's tough. Abraham knew about that silence, didn't he? 
Long time. Many years. Many, many years from the promise. Isaac wasn't born yet. Motives test our hearts. Roots of pride and self-righteousness are revealed and dealt with. Roots of pride. You know, because oftentimes when we get mad at God, you know kind of what we're saying without saying it? Well, this is how I think it should have been done. Let me paraphrase that for you. Well, if I were God, I would have done that different. That's never a good idea. Now, we, we wouldn't come out and say it like that. But that inner silent frustration that we bar, uh, that just kind of builds up in our hearts and causes us to withdraw and pull back. That's what we're saying. Pride and self right I, I, I think I would have done a little bit different. I've learned about, a lot about myself and a lot about people and pastoring and even coaching sports. Learned a lot about people. And whenever you're a leader, I can promise you, there's always somebody that's got a better idea than you do. Well, let me say this. There are people who do have better ideas, and we, hey, we invite those. But what about the people who just think they have a better idea? <laughs> that's always frustrating, you know what I'm talking about? If you ever coach, just coach a little league team, you'll figure it out. <laughs> I think everybody ought to have to. <laughs> just that pride and self-righteousness just has to die. The delay will kill it. It just will. The last thing here. Let other people's miracles increase your faith instead of discouraging your soul. You know, Jairus could be mad at her. He, he could be mad. We could be mad at somebody else. You know, I've been praying. This girl just walked into church. <laughs> And she got what she needed and she's healed and delivered and got married. What in the world? I've been 10 years now. Let me tell you something. You never decrease yourself by celebrating somebody else's victory. In fact, if you learn to rejoice with somebody else, it will actually strengthen your faith. So you may not, you may be on hold. You still got that soft elevator music playing in your phone, you know, in your ear. It's still playing in your ear. You, you hadn't got the answer yet. Somebody else got an answer and they, they're, they're running off. Talk, can't wait to get the microphone and tell the church. Be happy for them. Be happy for them. Just let, it, just let it be known to you when that happens. And it will happen. I promise you it will happen. When that happens, just be glad because that means that God is among us. Let your faith be strengthened. You hear me? Look at the way of Jesus. You see the way? He puts out the doubters. He's not putting on his show. His motives are pure. He just came to help this family. Look, look at the wisdom of Jesus. Jesus delays because he has more insight into him and the situation than you do. Trust his wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus. Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. Let me paraphrase that. Jairus, I know something you don't know. I know something you don't know. I, I know it's not too late. Jesus knows something we don't know. Trust his wisdom. Trust his wisdom. Because Jesus is too wise to be wrong, and he's too loving to be hurried. Did you hear me? He's too wise to ever be wrong in your situation or mine. And he's too loving to rush it all.
He loves you too much to rush you through the process. See the gentleness of Jesus. You see gentleness? He just reaches over to this little girl. Just gently take. He's such a gentleman. He just gently goes over and takes her hand. But now think about his power. Now this is not a combination that we see very much in, in our world. Gentleness combined with power. It's something we need to perfect, especially as men. Gentleness combined with power. Because Jesus has the ability to take this little girl by the hand gently. Not spook anybody in the room. Not spook mom and daddy. Just take her real gently. But yet powerfully pull her right out of death. Don't tell me you can't be powerful and gentle. Don't tell me you can't be in charge and kind. Because the man we follow, that's who he is. <laughs> you see it? Now at the heart of this story is trust, isn't it? At the heart of dealing with delays is this little five-letter word called trust. Everybody say trust. trust. See, we've got these stories kind of from the, the beginning of the story point we got to the ending. We've got their ending. We know how things turned out, but you know what? When they're in the story, guess what? They didn't know how it was going to turn out. When she was pushing everybody out and had to tell Peter, excuse me, she didn't know how it was going to turn out. When Jairus hears only believe, don't be afraid, when he hears that and has to take a few more walk, maybe a mile or two down the road, he doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He's just trying to believe. I mean, he's trying. I can feel him trying. It's not perfected, I promise you. He's trying. See, we, they didn't have their ending either. You don't have your ending. We don't know how our story's going to end. We're not sure how this whole thing's going to turn out. But as we see their story turn out the way God wanted it to, we have faith that our story will turn out the way he wants it to. Can you trust him for that? If Jesus is delaying you, trust his timing. Trust him with the outcome. Trust him with the timing. Trust him with the process. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, the whole Bible just comes at us like that, just saying, trust me, trust me. Life comes at us and then we hear you say, trust me. But Lord, it gets real hard to trust you when we can't trace you. It gets real hard to listen when there's silence. But Lord, I pray today that you would help us hear you even in the silence. Teach us, teach our hearts to trust you even when we can't trace you, God. This journey of faith is not easy for any of us. A lot of mystery involved in it. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith. Do not be afraid. Ron, <laughs> you... Everybody, do not be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Lord, that seems so simple yet so difficult. 
So Jesus, as we see you coming through for somebody else, Lord, I, I pray that that would translate into our hearts that you're going to come through for us. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I, I can't promise you when, but I can promise you he will. <laughs> he makes all things good somehow. Lord, I pray your blessing over your people. Strengthen all of our faith today. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen us, Lord. Do something in our hearts. It causes us not to lose heart, but to become strong in heart. It causes us not to lose our grip, but to strengthen our grip. It causes us not to back up in our faith, but the Lord to press on further, knowing that you're going to be good for this. Whatever this is, you're going to be good for it. Encourage your people, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. In the way, in the name of Jesus, who is gentle enough to comfort our souls and strong enough to pull us out of the jaws of death. In the name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, we pray. Amen.